Hey guys, welcome to the Lost City Podcast. I am your host, Cress Hernandez. Yes, yeah, it's been a while, I know, well aware of that. But uh, god damn it, let's just fucking do this, shall we? We shall. Hey, how's it going? Yes, I know it's been a long time. I'm really sorry about that. Especially sorry to the guest who's on this particular episode because I did the interview months ago and have been sitting on it, which has been very not cool of me to do to that person. But he's been very understanding because he's a cool guy. That's just how he is. And um, we'll get to that later. It's Fumi Abi, who's getting, that's who's going to be the guest on this podcast episode. <laughs> I'm doing a show with him tonight. And um, I definitely I was going to put it up initially in the first week of the new year anyways because I'm starting this back up. Perfect time. New year. And uh, I'm going to be on a show with him tonight, so I was like, let me put it up beforehand so when I see him, I can be like, yo, got it up, I did it, finally. (laughs) But uh, he's a cool guy, and I think you'll like the interview, even if it is a little old. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so yeah, why have I not been doing this? Um, I don't know, I got distracted, I guess, you know, Um, there's just been, it's been a really kind of crazy period in life right now, both on a personal level as well as on, you know, that election really did a number on me. I really wish maybe kind of in a way that wasn't true, but it really disturbed me in a really profound way that is going to take me a long time to get over or to kind of like piece together what it means for me and my um, identification with my with ho- my home and with America and what it means for my path forward and what I choose to do with my craft. If it even is really a choice, I think. Who knows? But, um, yeah. So that, yeah, that, that it just has created a lot of uncertainty and that has made me feel... Not on even footing or even ground, which I think is totally understandable. And when I'm not sure of myself, I'm not sure of myself. So I tend to kind of doubt myself more. And then after a couple of weeks had gone by, I'm not, or like a month of not doing this podcast, I'm like, damn, I don't even know if I know how to do that anymore. Talk into the microphone about like whatever. Um, I'm doing it right now, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's been a crazy time. Just straight up crazy, crazy time, I think. I seem to be taking it a lot harder than most of the people I know. You know, I'm like, yo, this year is going to be crazy. Like, get ready. And people are like, dude, shut up. It's going to be the same as every year. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel differently. I don't know how to explain it, but I'm probably probably wrong. I'm just like paranoid. But it's, you know... As a Mexican-American, we were, the Mexicans were really the first group. You know, I always felt that we were kind of, um, that people didn't really, um, how do I say it? I guess they just didn't really know we existed that much. You know, I guess they didn't really care about us too much. And um, it turns out they do care and they hate us. And I think Donald Trump knew that because 
we were the first group of people he went after. You, know, you called us rapists and drug dealers and criminals or whatever. And um, that is was the result of that caused him to break away from the pack. Like that put him in the lead for the first time among the Republican field. And that when I was like, was the first time I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck is happening here? Like that shouldn't have, you know, been okay. And not only that, but like, how is it that that caused him to be winning, at least at that time? And um, and it just got crazier from there. Like, hello, like, Jesus Christ, he's going to be inaugurated. Like, what the hell is happening, you know? I just think of... um. It, I just think really, it felt like that night when that election went down, I was like, damn, even in 2016, America still just like hates so many people. And it was about that. Like, don't, I don't know. I mean, people will come at me like it was economic this and I, in my heart of hearts, I do believe a lot of this was about fear and hate. And I think that those, the meanings of those two words can be very um, applicable <laughs> if you're able to, I think, kind of view it through a different lens. I don't know. But uh, yeah, crazy times. And there'll be plenty of opportunity to, I think, explore more. Because I'm pretty sure like I'll be examining and analyzing this election probably for years because it really... Did a number on my psyche. It really did. I, I honestly think it was like, for me, the biggest thing since 9-11 that kind of, you know, changed something in my foundation, you know, like my worldview, where I was just really like, wait a minute, something that I thought before was completely not true. That's a weird way to say that. Like, I think, like, I think before 9-11, I never had reason to think that something like that could go down in like real life in front of my face or something. It's just, you know, I, I was still young at the time. I was 18 and, um, but I will never have that naivete again. And then with this election, it's, I think I can't say even in just one sentence yet, what, how it, shook that or cracked that foundation but it's major you know I have to like look at everything through that filter now what does that mean for me in comedy what does that mean for me and my family what does that mean for me and purpose you know like I don't know I can't get off of it of course you know it would take me five minutes to go into it on here and that's another thing I just cannot that's all I can talk about now <laughs> oh god kill me um, my poor friends, I just, it was, I can't believe it, I can't believe it, uh, anyways, yeah, so, the spotlight about this is really gonna be on Fumi Abi, who's such a great guy, I met him early in comedy, and I always thought he was super funny and super cool, and has a warm energy, which I really appreciate, um, <laughs> it's weird I say that, I'm like, oh, I hope he doesn't think that's a slight on his masculinity, which is totally not, but I think our culture kind of 
makes us feel that that might be the case, but it's not. And I think he's definitely confident enough to understand that. Anyways, but uh, super cool dude. And if I remember correctly, <laughs> we have a pretty cool chat. And um, what's interesting, I think this is really at the beginning part of when I kind of started getting distracted by other things like who like what am I doing with comedy what am I doing with is it working but um I I guess lastly what I say is I even though it's kind of like a shaky time I do look forward to I like these periods because I know that it means like it's it's a period of discovery you know like I'm learning more about myself and I'm learning more about the community and you know the world and I know that when everything's get shaken up enough it's just a period of like then a period of regrouping and rebuilding comes and you know it's like you kind of take your new information the new information and apply it to how you move forward in a way that I think best suits us for the next phase so um I'm optimistic about it I really am and uh it's just weird and weird is scary it's very uncomfortable so I'm very sensitive <laughs> I colored my hair. I have fucking blonde hair right now. And uh, <laughs> it's funny. Like, I'm like, it almost seems like I'm trying to pass for white or something. I joke about that. Like, oh, I did it because I'm trying to look as least ethnic as possible in the new America. And I'm like, I wonder how much of that. My stylist actually suggested it. The guy that cuts my hair suggested it. But only because... I talked about doing it all summer and then kept chickening out. And then I don't know where he was like, let's do it, let's just fuck it, let's do it tonight. Talked me into it. But I don't know. It's weird. It's strange stuff. Strange stuff. Anyways, I'm going to shut up. But uh, he's a great guy, like I said, and we're really going into his interview this time. Please uh, enjoy the interview I have with Fumiyabi. Hi, Fumi. How's it going? Hey, Chris. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming out to Astoria. How was your commute? My commute? My commute was, uh, it was long, man. I'm from, uh, come from Crown Heights, so it took me like an hour and 15 minutes to get here. Wow. Yes, yeah, so I really appreciate the iced tea you bought me earlier. That was very nice of you. Yeah, I need, I wonder if I should start traveling with this instead. What, to other people's homes? Yeah. <laughs> That's more weird. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad because it is... I'm so used to it, but every episode it starts out with us uh, talking about how far away I still yeah, from people. Yeah, I, I took a bus, took a took two trains, but um, yeah, I I recently found out that you can download movies and stuff on your on your Amazon Video app. You know what I'm talking about? You have Amazon Prime. Yeah. So I'm just watching Veep. Wait, download to like download, watching the yes, train? Yes, like you can do like offline mode. Kind of like Spotify with TV shows and movies. You may have just changed my life. Yes. So all my commutes are like whatever now because I just watch movies and stuff yeah I don't mind long commutes you were brave yeah. you took a bus too yeah I've been taking that a lot actually the bus yeah I like that 100 because it's like two stops boom boom yeah 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 I mean once you figure it out it's actually very useful I think in New York how long have you lived in uh, Crown Heights I've been there for this is my third year in Crown Heights but I actually lived there for a summer back in 2009 when I was in college and you were in college in 2009? 
Yeah, I started in 2000. I went from college. 2008, 2009. Why? Are you old? I'm old, yeah. Oh, you're old? All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're in Crown. Where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from Japan originally. And then I moved out. I like moved around a lot. Like, so in 90, 96 to 97, I moved. To, I lived in Singapore for a year. And then I moved back to Japan. And then I moved to Columbus, Ohio. And then I've been there. I was there from 98 to 2008. Went Columbus, to Ohio. Yeah, so that's where I spent the majority of my childhood. And then I moved out here in 2008 for college. So, yeah. Do you maintain Japanese citizenship? Uh, I, ju- I, don't, I don't denounce it, but I did get my U.S. citizenship, like, last year, I think. Do, so Did they allow dual they in don't, Japan? They, they don't. don't. But they don't, like, come after you, yeah. you know? Um, but, yeah, technically I'm not. Technically I'm just a U.S. citizen now. And what do you think of Ohio? It was good, you know, so like suburbia. You grew up in the Midwest, right? You're a Chicago yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. So it was nice. I mean, you know, we didn't have a lot of like minorities growing up, but it was, you know, there's nice people. You know, we had a backyard. I kind of went through like every. Remember those like Disney? Was movies? it like suburbs? I've never been to Columbus. Is it more? I'm from like a suburb of Columbus, okay, yeah, Hilliard. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I'm not. I didn't grow up on in downtown. I love me some suburbs. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah, it's like uh, clean, it's safe, clean, nice. Yeah, lots of space for hanging out with your friends, playing playing quarter sack basketball and stuff, you know? So I did all that. That was my real American experience. Yes, you have just a nice American childhood, huh? Yeah. Um, so something I always ask comics to, uh, comics to kind of start things off is, uh, how would you describe yourself? How would I describe myself as a person? Yeah. I think I'm very... I'm a very... Uh, organized person i think that's probably the number one thing that defines me um you must you must it must be driving you crazy to be sitting in this room no this is fine i mean if you look at my iphone i have like 30 different folders for everything everybody always shits on me for that um i like things to be sort of you know categorized i you probably have a heart attack if you saw my desktop you can probably kind of, you can kind of see it right there yeah right? Just the fact that you don't have the grid, you know, on that. I need like thirty me. folders. <laughs> I see one icon, and I'm already, I'm already all worked up about it. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, um, I'm pretty, pretty logical person. I think, you know, um, I'm not like, I think a lot of like, uh, quote unquote artists, like in all different sort of um, definitions, like music or painting or whatever, they tend to be like pretty emotional or like kind of lacking a sense of like I don't know like um, I think you know they don't want to deal with any of the production or business side of what it takes to be a successful entertainer you know but mm. um, I feel like uh, just because I've had work and stuff and I don't know I was I was I had a job before I started comedy and I've always sort of enjoyed not enjoy but I've always been good at sort of like keeping things in order and like running stuff so I feel like um, that sort of differentiates me from other, maybe comedians or something. Pro- yeah, like that. for sure, Same, definitely yeah. for comics. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. think I'm more probably more run of the mill comic, and I, I'm, pretty. I'm just giving up on this idea of getting my shit together one day. <laughs> just get gave up. Yeah. Uh, it's just. I mean, at some point you're just like, all right, this is just my mo. You know. So yeah. It's like, yeah, how many yeah, yeah. years can you tell yourself that something's gonna change? You're like, you know what? I just gotta get over that. But I think everybody has their own definition of organization. So like, even this room, you might tell me that it's messy, but you know where everything is, right? So no, this is messy. Oh, this me. is messy. Yeah. 
Well, I was trying to save you, but uh, I guess this is... Yeah, a, I mean, it's like standard messy for me. Like, I'm, I'm actually not comfortable in places that are clean. Mm, I see, I see. I, it just it makes me feel like I'm gonna make it dirty or something. Is if that makes oh, sense? Oh, like you you feel like you're gonna upset the other person? Yeah, like just... I, if I go to a place where it's like spot spotless, I'm, I feel uptight because I'm like, oh. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry, it's not you know. Yeah, so I feel like more it's... at ease when when things are less rigid. Yeah, like... I I can understand that. Yeah, I'm not like a complete neat freak or anything like that. You know, like yeah. my apartment's not it's not that clean. But um, yeah, I think for the most part just kind of you know putting things where they belong like uh, yeah i mean i guess i do i do clean and stuff i don't know i think that's just the way my brain works you know i just i like to have a schedule i like to sort of know what like kind of plan things for the future and stuff like that yeah i wish i wish i had that in me my roommate is funny we both uh we have like just different ways of fixating on things like she'll fixate on when she gets in the zone she'll be up around doing things like walking around moving sit organizing things and i'm just like laying flat in bed just looking at my phone for hours like that's my passing the time oh okay and hers okay. like she's kind of a busybody. and do you guys get along oh we're, yeah. yeah yeah we're the yeah we're it's weird we talked about just that like two days ago because i was in her bed I hang out in her room and the whole time we're hanging out I'm laying in her bed and she's just like I don't know what she's doing I'm like why aren't you like sitting still <laughs> um, from to your perspective she just looks like a crazy person I mean I know her I just know that yeah. that's what she's always doing when there's like people like that I can spot them but you know it's funny from her perspective like you you probably seem just as crazy as you think she's crazy you know what I mean like how can you just sit there on your phone when everything is you know kind of messed up yeah but I think it's because for me it's always it, it it gets to the point where it's just like overwhelming and then I can't like I this is like a confession that um I have this thing with mail that I don't open it but like I can't throw it away because it has my name on it and I'm paranoid to throw it away. Oh okay, I can kind of see that. So it's but it's like kind of an issue. Like I literally have garbage sized bag. Of mail. Of unopened or so like, like mail. Okay, if you get like a thing from a credit card company, this is like Chris Hernandez. Yeah. You open it if you look right here, there's like a shit ton of them. You said, and you can't throw it away? Oh, <laughs> because... That's so strange. Is it the identity thing? Like, yeah. You want I just have first? like a weird thing. I have a shredder, but it just got to the point where it's like, it's so overwhelming that I've been shredding for years. That's really interesting. Yeah. But I mean, I have a plan for my birthday, which is coming up next month. My roommate, she has a car. And I'm like, we're going to take these bags and we're going to go to a place where they do shredding on site. Like, I was going to call people to come and take it away to have it shredded, but I need to see that it's do gone. it. Yeah. Like, I don't... So it's from, like, a security perspective? I don't know what it is. I just... An identity theft perspective? Yeah, I have, like, weird, weird privacy things. It's, like, the weirdest thing, because I'll go on this podcast and talk very openly about yeah. things, and, you know, I share a lot on stage, but then there's just something about... Like that's that. funny. So if he has your name on it, that's fine. I, I could see somebody pulling a prank, just like putting your name on, like some junk mail list. Just, just yeah, leave, just leaving it on your house because you won't throw it away. I should just be like, tell my roommate, like, I'm just when I'm not home, just throw it all away. And I'm, oh, and would that sit right with you? Like, you'd be okay with that? I mean, yeah. Like, I have my like little crazy things, but I'm also super chill in the sense that I'm like, whatever, you know. Yeah. Like I'll have my reaction to things, but then I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Life goes on. So you're, uh, you're like an organized person. You like logic, and you consider yourself an artist. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if comedy's art. I don't know. What do you think? I think it is. Yeah. 
I think it's uh, it's certainly. I think it's certainly different from like music, you know. I think people yeah. say music is art, but you like music? Yeah, I mean, I was like, I played guitar for a really long time. That's what I was doing before comedy. I that's was in a band that's so common with comedians. A lot of us are musicians. A lot of us actually like our first passion or our first thing we really wanted to do was music. Yeah, I think it's because it's just more like readily like accessible. Like you know that you could take lessons. Like even certain schools have like. You could join a school band, you know what I mean? Like, you can play the trumpet or whatever, play violin. Like, there's just, like, opportunities available for you. But yeah. with stand-up, I don't even think most kids know that that's a thing that you could just do, you know? Most people don't even know. I think that's why the people who start, at like, people who claim they started when they're, like, 15 or 16, they're all from, like, New York City or, yeah. like, Boston or Chicago where there's, like, a thriving comedy scene. But, like, in Ohio, like, I knew what stand-up was. Like, I'd watch Chappelle and stuff, but, like, I didn't... I just assumed... Like Chappelle, Louis C.K., Jim Gaffigan. I just assumed they were all like theater majors in college. Like, that's, that's what I thought. That's it how was. they got there. I thought they were just acting. Like I don't know that. Yeah. They went to you know, clubs and they worked out stuff and things like that. I don't know how far along I was into. I mean, I'm, this is probably still teenagers where I realized that they didn't just walk out on stage and make that stuff up on the spot. Yeah, yeah. That was like such a crazy, amazing part of comedy when you're younger is watching stand ups and just like how do they just think this shit up like that and then yeah. little dude now we know it's like oh it's rehearsed <laughs> a lot of hard work yeah. and fine tuning that's yeah. a fun fun aspect of it though yeah i mean it's like um i mean the reason why i say it's so different from music is because like you just if you go if you want to play guitar or something you just practice in private you know mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. and then you can get really good in private and then bring it out to the public but like you can't practice in front of a mirror for stand-up you know you don't no i don't do you yeah, maybe really? not in front of a mirror, not anymore. But when I first started out, when I first started, yeah. I would, re- I would like it's kind of like reading off a teleprompter, right? You're like memorizing every word. Yeah, it's actually a way that I have of. It's kind of how I write jokes. I have a hard time sitting down writing, mm-hmm. so and I and I'm not comfortable enough on stage where I can like write on stage. So I kind of do a medium where I will pace in my room. And oh, you know, I do that sometimes. And just say the jokes. I have like a mic that I hold in my hand. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I bought it from Amazon when I first started. I'm like, oh, like I a re- it's like a real mic. Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just saying, I think, yeah, I do that sometimes when I'm writing. Sometimes I'll just say it to myself to see if it sounds funny or if there's like a faster way of saying it or something. And sometimes things will pop up from there. So, yeah, but it, you know, everybody has their different, different What's your Yeah, what's your process? Like, think, do you have a, since you're organized, you have, like, a schedule or, like... Well, a... I think, like, the whole thing with stand-up is uh, your process evolves as you get better or, like, as as, a, as sort of time elapses and you have more experience doing comedy. Because I think when you first start, like, ideally, like, you want to sit down. That's why it's so hard, too, because for music or, like, anything else, you could just sit in your room and, like, practice scales or, like, there are there's already, like, a practice... Um, methodology that works mm-hmm. for 90% of the people yeah. already studied and ready for you and you could just buy a book and kind of go through the scales and practice your chords but for comedy like it's hard to sit down and write stuff you know like you if you're like a one-liner guy or like if you just I mean there's a lot of new comedians who are like already kind of I could just tell by the way they perform that they just think of these like funny thoughts like these tweet like thoughts mm-hmm, and they just mm-hmm. kind of jot it down and it's like 80% ready by the time they say it you know but yeah for me, when I first started, like, I, I was doing more stories and stuff, which I feel like I still do now. So, 
you know, with stories and stuff, like I can't just like think of it and it's like 80% ready when I first write yeah. it down, you know? So that was frustrating for me when I was first starting out. Cause I try to sit down, like give myself a couple hours to do it and you just have nothing, yeah. you know? But I think as you get better in stand up, like, so then I, that's why I was doing so many open mics because I was writing on stage. Cause yeah. I was like, you were forced to mm-hmm. say something. Right. But now like, I feel like open, I still do open mics, but it's, you know, it's not an efficient way to spend your time, at least for me, you know, because you wait around a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I would, I'm just trying to, right now I'm trying to be better about like waking up early and like writing a little bit more at home or like writing on my lunch break at work, you know, kind of doing that thing we were just talking about where you kind of like say the jokes yourself yeah, to yeah. see if it's like funny or whatever. Um, so it's sort of, I think everybody's evolving. And I think the, I think you kind of have to because you can't be a professional still relying on 100% open mics to see if you can write new material. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think that's what defines like a professional comic is just like, if you can just do a lot of the stuff at home so that when you're at a show or something, you can stick it in the middle and just mm-hmm. kind of test it out. And it's yeah. already like, it's already like 60% funny, you yeah. know? Whereas like a new comic, it's like 2% funny or like 0% funny, you know? Yeah. That was a, that was a big relief in my process when I started to realize that my, for not all the time, but that my starting game was usually at least almost a little funny. Yeah. As where when I first started out, I would make here's my joke, and it would be like nothing. I'd do right. all five minutes with nothing. And now it's to the point where it's like every premise that I bring up at least gets some chuckles. Yeah, and I think also that has a lot to do with you um, trusting your own sense of humor. Yeah. I think in the beginning, you're just like, oh, I don't know what's funny. Yeah. I, I, I mean, thought I knew what was funny, but yeah. I don't. And so you base everything off of reaction. Which is fine, but I think as as um, as you get better, you trust your sense of humor more, so you know that this is funny because you're saying it, yeah. and then you can make it funny. And I think that's like the biggest you know difference from us now and when we first started, you know. Yeah, and also like once you get enough things that work that you have, and then you have an idea of like what your voice is or whatever, and then when you have something new, you kind of know how to say it so mm-hmm. that it like is in your voice or whatever, so that people respond to it better. Yeah. That's why it's so helpful, I think, going to mics where people know you is because when you go on stage, your character's already established because they already know you. I know a lot of people don't like to do that because they've heard their jokes before. Yeah. But I think there's something to be said about not having to establish yourself necessarily every time you go on stage at an open mic. Yeah, I think there's... I totally agree with you. I mean, there's pros and cons of that. But I think that's why most people kind of, like, form the their kind of cliques in comedy and kind of stick to their own routine of mics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not because they don't like other people. It's just because, like what you said, it's just easier. Like, I just want to work on these three new jokes. Yeah. It's three minutes long, and I don't want to have to... I don't, I don't want to have to win you over. Yeah. So I think that's, like, the logic of, yeah. you know, people sticking around to, like, the same open mics. Yeah, that's why, like, I'm, I'm just, like, at a point now where I'm, I'm ready to kind of start making shows like my open mics not that i want to stop going to open mics but uh i say that as like i think i booked on one show this month mm-hmm. <laughs> my own <laughs> um just because i uh, there's i feel so constrained with four and a half minutes now and like i just feel like there's something in me that really wants to i don't know, do different things on stage and i just feel really limited by that so i feel like it'd be nice to have where well, I'm not so terrified of shows or terrified of doing poorly in shows that I give myself the liberty to play around with material where I have like that longer set to kind of like sneak it in there. Yeah. I mean, I think shows is the, is probably the best way to develop material. You know, I just think the reason why some people still go to mics is because it's the only place where you can like bomb 
safely and nobody cares like at shows like if it's your own show especially and you're doing completely new stuff um not that you should care but it is like i always think of it like if it's your own show or if it's a show like they came out to see you you know sometimes they paid money and so it's like it's a I don't know. I don't know if I'm supposed to feel this way, but it's a little disrespectful to just do all new shit that you haven't done before. You know what I mean? Um, unless you're at this level where, like, that show means absolutely nothing to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've seen sort of, you know, the the comedians who are, like, getting a lot of buzz right now do that at bar shows and stuff because that's their open mic. And yeah. I totally understand the process. But, yeah. Um, I know what you mean, though. But I, but I think that's why people still go to open mics is because, like, there's no, there's no stakes. Yeah. You know, you're not making anybody... You know, if you if you if you bomb, then that affects the whole show. You know, so <clears throat> I don't know, but it's I think real people is is you know the final say of what's funny, and what's not funny. So yeah, I mean, I have this thing where I uh, like I feel like I know what's funny. I think I have good taste, and when I present something that doesn't work, like now I'm better at being like, okay, they I didn't connect that you know like that doesn't mean it wasn't funny but just the way I'm presenting it I'm not either I'm either not making sense or I'm not presenting it in a way that they can relate to it or they just don't think it's funny you know Mm -hmm. and it's it's fine that you think something's funny that other people aren't you know it's like yeah yeah and it's that's like (laughs) if you if you believe in the joke it's so hard to let go sometimes you know you're like no I know this is funny but it only works like 20% of the time but sometimes like that means it's not funny. So you gotta let it go. And I do get frustrated tough. over that. Yeah, stuff. that's real tough. I'm like, God damn it. And then you try it again and it's still nothing. Like, oh, yeah. why? I'm so proud yeah, of you. Yeah, it happens a lot. Yeah, it's. I think it's, Um, I feel like comedy is such a, like a micro, I don't know if this is the right word, but like a microcosm of life. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, because you create these jokes and you care about them and then, you know, they just die deaths all the time. It's just like this, you know, really teaches you how to let go and just move on and trust that you know there's gonna be more which i think is you know something that probably people don't get to exercise as much in their lives yeah i mean i think the only way to get better is if you throw away all the jokes that you kind of lean on right now yeah. you know like if somebody told you to throw away your best five right now and then you have nothing you have no choice but to write better material so yeah, that's what I need to do. I because I'm I want to build a long. I want to get to like a half hour, so I have I have like a tight seven probably. Mm-hmm. But even within that tight seven, I feel like the second half of it lags a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you know, I want to hold myself to like a standard where I'm like, if I, if you if I can if there's room to be better, like be better. You know, I don't want to like yeah. settle for something that does really well three fourths of the time. You know, like, what can I do to up that percentage rate? And just really kind of like, I don't, I just don't, I don't want to do standard fare. I don't know if that. Yeah, you should always aim to just every second be destroying. You know. Yeah. And that's and you see comedians do that, and you're really inspired, right? Like you see, like I mean, I don't know. Do you how, do you, do you, do you go see live comedy anymore or not really? I go in phases. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, like, you know, there's, like, a bunch of free shows, like Whiplash or Hot mm-hmm, Super or whatever, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, I've seen people come in, like, Sean Downey or something, or just come and just murder the room. Dan Soder, you know, murder. Just every five seconds, someone's just dying, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I recently saw uh, Derek Gaines and Godfrey at the stand, and they're just, like, from the second they're on stage, people are laughing already, you know? So I think that's, like, you have to aim for that. Yeah, absolutely. Know? I remember, um, 
think it was probably the fourth show that I fourth one of the Lost Cities, and it was the first one I hosted. This first show I ever hosted, mm-hmm. and I was so nervous and so tight and just really didn't feel like I was gelling as a performer on stage, and I was really fucking bummed out and disappointed in my performance, and just so stressed out about it. Um, because I think being producer and hosting is just a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. And I was just feeling like I let my audience down. And of course, it was mostly in my head. Like afterwards, they're like, what are you talking about? Like, you, it was, you're great, you're fine. But Naomi at Paragon headlined that show. And Oh, was it at Lovecraft? Yeah. I was there. Oh, you did a, you did well, a spot. I, yeah. I, I didn't see her, I had to leave, but Yeah, she's I gave so you funny. a guest spot, I think, on that one. And, um,. The second she took the stage, just the whole time, just like killer laughter. Yeah. And I just remember soaking so much me like, that's what I want. You know, I'm, I'm so, like, if you compare those, our performances to, oh, like, yeah. I'm so no, like, far away from when that. When you watch someone like that, you're like, I don't think what I'm doing is comedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so, no, she's like a, she's like a killer. Yeah. Yeah. She's, I've seen her a bunch of times. She's great. Yeah, she's one of my favorites. Shout out. Um... <laughs> You think she's going to do this? Probably not. <laughs> I want to try to get her on it. So, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, there's that... And there's times where I can take that that feeling of like, oh, I'm so far away. And I can sometimes be really fucking depressed about it. And just like, is it ever even going to happen? Like, can I ever get to that place? Uh, and then other times it's like a fun challenge. Like, just keep working. And, you know, you yeah. look at the progress that you've had from the day you started to now, like... It's totally possible if you just keep, you know, playing the game and taking it seriously. Yeah, I mean, you just have, there's no secret. You just gotta go. Yeah. Keep getting up. Would you consider yourself an emotional person? Um, I guess like yes and no. Um, not with like personal relationships, but like I do get. Like I recently auditioned for the NBC diversity thing, and like. You know, I, I didn't have a very good set, and I was, like, really bummed out about that. Oh, even though, like, I don't... I feel like I don't even deserve it at this point, because I'm only, like, two and a half years in. But, uh, like, when it comes to things I really care about, comedy, probably one of the only things, um, <laughs> I give, I'm very sensitive. But it's weird, because, you know, a couple of days go by, and you're fine again. You're like, I'm totally fine now, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's good to be emotional or, like, sensitive about comedy or, like you know, th- certain things. It's supposed to, it's supposed to bum you out. That's why, you know, I think you can evolve as a, as a comedian or whatever, or as a person, you know, like, cause you care about it yeah. and you sucked at it. So you're like, well, I gotta, I gotta keep working on it or whatever, you know? But yeah, I mean, other as- aspects of my life, probably not really like, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm a fucked up person, but <laughs> like, I don't really, what are other examples? Like relationships? Well, or what was the last time you cried? <laughs> cried i cry a lot watching movies but i don't know if that i don't know if that counts sure sometimes someone i heard someone call it emotional porn like i like watching movies that i know make me cry yeah 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 like i kind of obsessively do that yeah like end of toy story 3 i was dying yo that part where they like all grab hands yeah they're about to go and they he uh andy's explaining every toy yeah oh that first five minutes of that movie when he like picks up the dinosaur or whatever and puts him back and he's yeah. like he touched me he touched me oh, like yeah, right yeah, at the yeah, beginning yeah. of the way I was losing my shit oh you're already crying there. oh yeah <laughs> yeah I, I was joking a little bit on stage for a little while where I, I had this like little 
kind of like a one-liner where I'm like, I watched a documentary recently and I cried and I was like, woo, still got it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, man, I mean... Because sometimes I, I get so... Because comedy... Because you, you, we are sensitive and it does hurt so much so often Yeah. that I think I found that I wasn't as emotional as I'm used to being. So that was like a real moment for me when I watched this documentary and mm-hmm. I was like just sobbing my eyes out. I was like, oh, I'm still human. <laughs> I'm still alive. Yeah. Still. I think all it, I mean, I don't think it makes you like more or less emotional. I think that's just you discovering what your priorities are or like what the things, like ranking the things that matter to you the most. You know? Yeah. I think you always have been a certain level of emotional person and you just by kind of playing around with this medium of comedy or like watching a movie about toys or whatever you know you're discovering what the things you are sensitive about so like just because you break up with somebody and you're not crying i don't think that makes you a not emotional person you know it's just a little bit lower on your list you've got other things that's kind of you care about in your head yeah but a lot of people misconstrue it as being cold or like heartless you know yeah i just feel like it's teaching me to grow up a little bit like it's helping me manage my emotions better Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like i think i used to take a lot of pride in being very emotional and then now I'm like, you're just a fucking dramatic. You know, I think yeah. you just... Like, because emotion is kind of a high. Yeah. And I'm just... It's just this kind of fantasy in a way. I don't know how to explain it. Like, creating situations to... Manipulating situations to have certain feelings that you yeah. don't really need. But also, in like, regular, like, daily life, like, it doesn't... I feel that showing emotion... Uh, not saying, like oh, you're a weak person or anything like that. But for most situations, I feel like it doesn't help for you to be emotional, for you yeah. to get angry, for you to mm-hmm. get sad, for you to, you know. That's why it cracks me. I don't date. I don't, I've never really been in a relationship. Are you serious? Yeah. And, like, it cracks me up when I see people fighting, like, in the street. Yeah. Or, like, screaming to their phone or someone's, like, yelling at them. Because I feel like if that was me, the second someone raised their voice at me, I'd be like, listen... We'll talk about this like when you're ready to talk like a human being. Like we're yeah, not, yeah, we're yeah, not yeah. gonna get drawn into this. If we're not gonna break up over it, then we don't need to scream and. Yeah, but I feel like those people. It's what you said earlier. They get a high from doing yeah, that. Yeah, they yeah. get a high from the attention they're getting. Oh, you know, because yeah, like I know, I don't, I don't. I fight with my girlfriend, but it's it's never like that. You know, it's always just two humans talking about something they're yeah. upset about. I mean, that is part of the reason why I don't do relationships or anything like that because when I get those kind of feelings involved, then I am, like, a legit crazy person. See, wait, so you, when was the last time you had a boyfriend? I mean, I kind of had one that was, like, sort of, like, boyfriend when I was a teenager, like, 19. Are you serious? Yeah, it was, like, the first relationship. And then you have been single since. Yeah. But you, you still, like, nah, you I still mean, get I, out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's very easy. Like date, date. It's very easy as a gay man to kind of... Yeah, but you're also, like, a very handsome dude. You got good hair. Thank you. Yeah, you have good <laughs> hair. Um... It's been a, I don't know, it's it's a big part of my life like that, that, you know, I guess. But I think like, well, do you, so do you go out a lot to meet dudes and stuff or not really? No, well, fortunately, I mean, I guess, for, I don't know, fortune is the right word there, but in 2016, you know, you, you just have apps, right? you know, and there's dating apps and then there's like straight hookup apps and it's just too easy, I think, to... So whenever you feel like it, you could just yeah. get on there. And yeah. how, how often is that, you think? For me, personally? Yeah. That's like, on average. Oh, that's very personal. <laughs> personal? Well, I'm just asking because... Um, I mean, it depends on the person. Like, I... I'm, this is not me slut-shaming or anything, but it's just, like, I feel like um, 
for dudes, all dudes of both sexual orientations, I think, like, sex or, like, being horny is the one thing that, like, leads me astray from working hard at something. Oh, of course. Know? And oh, man. if I can suppress that, I feel like I could have done better in school. I can yeah. get funnier. I could be, you know what I mean? Like, more successful in comedy. So, like, for me, having a girlfriend is, like, a big deal because that kind of already i'm not going out and like looking for yeah, girls to yeah. bang or whatever that's very very time consuming you know what i mean like so yeah if i deleted those apps i'd probably have like yeah i'd be on my way to my half hour special yeah well that's what i'm saying so it's like and i, and I know that obviously I, I feel like gay dudes like they go through it more intensely because it's so easy oh, no, you know yeah i've tried to find ways to talk about it on stage where Somebody like a straight guy would be like, Man, I wish it was gay because all you can, all you have to do is walk in, you can get ass. I'm like, You have no idea how much sometimes I can feel like a prison knowing that it's that easy. See, that is that's really interesting because we don't straight dudes don't ever think about it like that, but it's kind of like it's this balance thing, right? Yeah, so us not being able to get it that easily, us as like straight dudes, like that's you know, time consuming and frustrating. But for you guys, it's like yeah. you can get it easily. That's also time consuming because you can just get it so easily. Mm-hmm. And then too frequently, you're just like, oh, I could have just been fucking reading a book or, yeah. you know, hung out with my friends or like whatever, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's a big I mean, it's a like if I was in therapy, I'd probably talk a lot about how my relationship I, with those apps is. A I think problem. that that's a very, very interesting topic that is not being discussed in that light, you know? Yeah. But the, the crazy thing about these apps is that. Once you just like peel back the cover, there's it's just like a world of just like so much, so many fascinating like things about it. Mm-hmm. You know, just as just in regards to like what it means to be a gay man and New York City in this day and age and how we treat each other and like all the dynamics that come up with it. It's just like part of it is like yeah, I'm just addicted to it because of the the physical aspects of it, but also there's just so much weird emotional mental stuff that go like baggage that comes with it that's just like mm-hmm. it's like full-fledged like what i don't know let's see if i can explain anything so there's it's weird you can so you just see everyone through picture and i think unlike a lot of the other apps what grinder and like some scruff of them which are two of the gay hookup apps do there's like a grid so you just see like a grid of profile people, pictures yeah. of people and living in a certain neighborhood or hanging out in a certain place, you kind of see the same people all the time because it's by GPS location. So, like I know, like I have my types that I'm into, and then you know, there's certain types that I like. I know would never pay me the attention of a day, you know. And so, yeah. every once in a while, so I'll see these people, their profiles. I'm like, oh, I won't message them because I just know they're out of my league. They will never message back. But sometimes I'll like, in a weird way not fall in love but kind of become really infatuated with someone's thumbnail like profile picture interesting and create like these whole because you see them on all the time and it's like they're it's like being in a bar digitally and, yeah and seeing them and then having them never look at you oh just that's born. so weird so yeah. sometimes you can like have these so there's like weird things like that but that's kind of like romantic in a way but yes, it's also yes, very yeah. And then once in, like I'll do this thing where you can favorite a profile so it like saves it so you you know yeah um, I'll favorite people, guys, and I'm like, maybe one day I'll feel confident enough to yeah. message them and see if they'll reply to me. Because a lot of times I won't because when they ignore you, they don't reply. It's just kind of like, uh. Yeah. A, I guess it's not a shitty way of rejection because they could be like, fuck you, you ugly, you busted exactly. ass hoe. <laughs> but, 
But if people like, talk to yeah. you like that, that sounds no, no, no. A but there aggressive. are things. Yeah, I talk a lot about. I talked about this with Patrick on the podcast. But gay men are not very cordial with each other in a lot They're of ways. They're not. Yeah, like you, you'll go on there and you'll see people's preferences, which are actually just like their racial hangups and things like that, just advertised. They'll be mm-hmm. like, no fats, no femmes, no Asians, mm-hmm. or they'll be, you know, mask only. You know, not in, and it's just like you do these weird things to. Like, if I was a really effeminate, like, fat Asian dude and I, like, read that, that would, like, really hurt me, I think, you know? Mm. And people just put that out there and they're like, what? It's a preference. And it's just, I don't know. So it's, it's, there's just, like, all this stuff that I can just, like, dig and dig and dig and, like, try and. Yeah, that's you know? interesting. I mean, just, I feel like people have done that on. Like okay, Cupid or Tinder or something like that, kind of put their racial preference or even like just height or you know body mm-hmm. style. But mm-hmm. I, I see what you're saying. It is a little. I think if you were if you fit that profile, it hurts. But I mean, I feel like all that stuff's amplified with the gay apps, especially because it just goes back to the fact that, like, it's so easy and also like, um, it's like a. I don't know. I just, I just feel like men in general think about like if men could do that to women like we would but no. we don't because it's not like socially yeah. like if i if i had a tinder account and i put only blondes you know you have to be five seven or under yeah um less than 100 pounds if i put that nobody nobody would hit me up you know because that's like a rude thing to say yeah to women and i like that's like the women are the only thing keeping men from talking like that but yeah. i think in the gay community there's no women so you can get over talking like that, you know. So I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a bad thing. It's just I think they're just like certain barriers that don't exist. It's yeah. I mean, not having the women factor is a mixed bag. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I have a joke like that where I say, I talk about grinder and the way I introduce it. I'm like, grinder. It's a lot like Tinder, both out all the moral hangups of women getting in the way. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a weird. It's a weird. And this is like what I would love to talk about it in my comedy, but just like. Have you started to? Start Little somewhere. bits, but I just feel like you'd really have to kind of know the ins and outs of it, and it just takes too long to set it up. Like, maybe one day down the road, if I'm, you know, a headliner and I have, like, a huge gay following or something, then I could just easily yeah. talk about everyone. Yeah, but, you know, but that's, I think that's the fun part of stand-up is, like, and I think as an Asian comedian, like, I struggle with a lot is, like, how do I make my life re- relatable to these people who had, like, one Asian friend growing up, you know? Yeah. Like, and I think if you're like if you're like a non I see a lot of black comics do this and uh, and if you if you're like in a room with a bunch of white audience members and you open up with like a lot of aggressive race jokes they shut down because mm-hmm. they feel like they're being scolded yeah um and so like what I've learned in the past you know two three years is like the art of talking about these things making fun of racism without making them uncomfortable so it's like, it's like timing is like can i when can i say it after yeah. i learn their trust so like, how can i say it without without making it seem like i'm attacking them or whatever you know and i think so so, so going back to you it's like i think that's a really interesting thing and if you think like i think that that challenge is fun for you to be like how yeah. do i make these straight people yeah. who are not on these apps understand me you know and i think that will force you to make it way funnier than if you're yeah. doing it in front of people who because because I believe that at the core of it all is just a really human thing that is universal. You mm-hmm. know, it's just a matter of, like, getting to that. Like, this is just how we gay men are dealing with our need for validation and acceptance. You know, that's just, like, how we... Everyone, you know, deals with their troubles differently. 
I just think it's like a really fascinating way. So that's clearly relatable. So it's just a matter of finding ways to talk about it. And I do get more and more brave about that. Like I started talking like really explicitly about gay sex on stage, really afraid that, it, you know, it, the people just get really turned off by it. And on the contrary, like it really kind of became some of my better bits that I still don't do because I get so worried every time. I'm like, oh, I don't know how they're going to take this. Mm-hmm. But what I thought was so funny is it would get big laughs, but then afterwards like dudes would come out to me like, yo, I learned so much from your set today. Yeah. Like I had no idea. I'm like, that's so weird. So it can be funny and uh, educational. <laughs> that's, but that's important, man. Like, people will drive home and talk about your bit, you know? Yeah, and that's... like, oh, that's so interesting that he brought that point up, because I've never thought of it like that. And that's where it, it goes back to what we were talking about more towards the beginning, about comedy being an art. Like, for some reason, because I was... I mentioned, like, I was so dramatic, like, melodramatic and emotional and um, growing up, or, like, before, that I was... I knew I needed to be an artist, and I think I needed to find a way to tell myself that comedy was an art form Mm -hmm. to give myself the okay to pursue it seriously, if that makes sense. It had to be art. Because I I feel like I'm an artist, in a sense. Like, that's... I don't... It's so cheesy on how to explain it. But the way I got there was I used to write poetry. Like, that was kind of, like, my thing. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be... I mean, just probably wasn't any good at it. But when I started studying comedy by just watching it, I realized that, to me, comedy and poetry are kind of like exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you use language, and you try to use as little words as possible to create imagery and take people on a journey, you know, as quickly as possible. The only difference is that in comedy, the end point is always laughter, and in poetry, it it could be whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think they're very similar in the sense if you were to look at, like, a joke on a page as well as, you know, they use just short words and imagery to really use language that's full effect to kind of, like, capture things. Mm -hmm. And so that gave me the okay to be like, yo, this is totally an art form, you know, because we're creating things out of nothing and, you know, using words and playing with the order and all that kind of stuff. And it totally gave me the okay to pursue it and feel like I'm an artist. And that's why when I said... I don't want to do just, like, run-of-the-mill things. Laughter is not enough for me. Like, if I don't feel... I don't know. It's hard to explain for me. Like, I don't feel, if I don't feel like I'm saying something that matters to me or, or is important to me, mm-hmm. then it, I don't like it. I don't like doing it. Yeah. I think that... Like, that's... That's like Louis C.K. level comedy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. when you actually have, like, a very deep message behind your jokes and you're just using laughter as a lubricant mm-hmm. to, like, shove this down people's throats, you know? Um, I, I'm totally with you there. I think it's like pretty difficult to like, er, like, I, I feel like at our level, like it's so hard to make every joke like that. You mm-hmm. know, you, you're lucky if you even have one that makes people do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that, but that's like the ultimate level of stand up is, I mean, that's why like George Carlin and all those guys were. Yeah. But see, but even with George well. Carlin, when I watch him, okay. So Margaret Cho is like my favorite comedian. Mm-hmm. One of them. And so when I watch her, because she does say really important things, but when you watch her, a lot of times it's like, all right, well, I'm not laughing here. Same with like George Collin. I'm, I'm like, I'm not laughing at everything. Mm-hmm. So it's just like trying to find a way to be comfortable with that. You know what I mean? Because you are kind of sacrificing. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you have a, if you have a following and they're okay with that style, I think that's cool. But like, you know, if you try that stuff out of a club a or club? something, people are going to be like, what are you? Yeah. At least make us, at least, I don't know. I think if you want to say something big, 
my philosophy right now is you have to bring the funny first and then you say something important. You know? Yeah. Well, Whereas, but you only, the funny, you're using it as a tool for them to, to grab their attention. Yeah. Like, okay, this is funny. Now listen to what I'm really saying. Yeah. You know? Like the real magic is, is like, is saying it in like a pure joke form where you're like, they don't even realize that you're yeah teaching them something. Yeah. Like one of the jokes I'm most proud of is this joke that I call extreme living. And when it works well, it works really well. And when and and I get this is one that I need to really work on because sometimes it's just okay and I've used it as my closer when it's like a shorter set, mm-hmm. like at all my additions and things. And I think the premise is basically that I in my act I talk a lot about like social economic inequality, and the way I do that is by I say white people a lot. Like I compare myself in my financial situations, I make that distinguishment by saying white people. I, it's I don't know. It works basically. So I say um, the premise is that I, I don't relate to people with money because like white people go like skydiving or, you know, they do all these crazy things mm-hmm. and they want to test fate or like live on the edge. And the premise is that like if you really want to do that, you should just be poor because that's like life on the edge every day. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I do it in a way where it has, you know, like a, a, you know, a joke form. And I'm so proud of it because I'm clearly making, you know, some kind of a, yeah. a statement in the way where. You know, I'm standing up for myself in the sense of like the life I've had to lead with no money, and um, and making a comparison to like, you know, so that's one that I'm really proud of. And when it works, it works so well. I'm so proud of it because it's like one of those long. You know, first they laugh, and then when they realize what was just said, then they like do the applause, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's always like really meaningful. Yeah, and it's like how can I get well, do that? Yeah, more. It's always fun. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like uh, people who are really serious about stand up. Is that's like that level that they're trying to achieve, you know? What do you What are you trying to achieve in your stand up? Um, I don't know. A lot of people ask me what my end game is. I don't really have an answer. Um, I do. Stand up is my favorite thing, but um, just really, I think realistic. Like, I don't know if I can live from it. You know. Um, I mean, I guess ultimately, I, li- I like to just kind of work on my own project. So if it's like a stand-up thing, you know, I w- I'm always working on my hour, obviously. Mm-hmm. Don't have anything close to it right now, but, you know. What would you like... say you have? I mean, like, I can do, like, 20 or whatever, but, like, I don't have, you know what I mean? I don't know how these people are doing 30 minutes these days, man, who are, like, a couple years into the game. I, that's, like, that's either, like, they just write a shit ton, or I feel like I'm a pretty slow writer, too, or at least I was when I first started, so... I don't know. I'm always throwing away bits, too. There's, like, a bunch of stuff that, like, I won't do anymore, you know? Um, But I don't know. I feel like I could do, like, 12, 13, like, really tight, and then I could do more, but it's not, like... I mean, I I could do 30, but then that's, like, me bringing back old stuff that, like, I don't really like anymore, you know? Yeah. I could probably do 20, 25, but I wouldn't like it. Yeah, and if I don't like it, why would I do it? Yeah. That's stupid. I mean, in front of a hot crowd, I mean, it could probably be a lot of fun. Yeah. What did, uh, when did you first start feeling like an adult? Like an adult? I think it's when I got off my parents' cell phone plan. When did I think that was it. I was 22, I think. That was like a big step for me, you know? Not like, it's not that expensive, but just the action of me being like, all right, I'm going to just financially completely independent from you now you and know? you made that decision or were they like get off no, no no i made the decision yeah yeah they would have had they would have kept me on there i think parents like that you know 
but yeah, I think around then, but there's, I think there's definitions of like adult, like financially, I think I'm very mature. I don't depend on anybody. I pay off my loans. I'm good, you know, but I'm not borrowing money from anybody. I don't have any debt, but I think like there's other, other aspects of life, right? Like, you know, from a social perspective or like from an emotional perspective, like you're an adult, you know, and I think that stuff, like I develop. I'm developing now slash have developed in the last couple of years, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like 22, you feel like you're an adult because you have a job now or whatever, but really you're still a kid, you know, and I don't know, just the way you treat people or like handle problems, staying calm when, when you're arguing with somebody, you know, like all that stuff, you know, I'm still kind of figuring out, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that stuff, I'm probably like now, you know, especially mm-hmm. in comedy because pe- pe- people are just so fucking weird. Mm. A lot of weird people in comedy, you know, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. Just like socially awkward, mm-hmm. or just aggressive people yeah. who like don't get. I don't know. Like I just you deal with these people, and you're like, what? Why are you talking to me yeah. like this? Do you do you not get the vibe that I don't want to do this thing? Like, and yeah. you've asked me every week. Or, I don't know. Just you know, different things like that. It's like, how do you handle these people who are like older than you? They're like in their thirties acting this way how do you handle you can't you yell at them do you show anger like or do you just politely decline them like you know anything anything from somebody asking you for a spot or just yeah you're talking about like a producer angle right now right I am. I know you wanted to get off comedy, but I keep going. No, 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 no. (laughs) This is how it works. I'm not really even talking about comedy. I'm just talking about you talking to another person who is older than you. Who, no, I yeah, who, I agree with. I mean, I agree. but that's what being an adult is, right? It's like how do you deal with difficult people? Because the theater produces a show too, and part of uh, she was the last podcast they did, and part of what we talked about is how we feel uncomfortable sometimes with that power, how to deal with those relationships. I'm like, who am I to say this to that person? Yeah, like, and I'm like, don't be late, and you know, and I'm like, obviously, like I'm nice about mm-hmm. it, very polite about it. I always respond. There's some people who don't respond, which I think is like kind of fucking weird because yeah. on Facebook it shows you if they read it. So yeah. it's like even if it's a no, you could just be like, "Hey, sorry, not this month or something." Like just make up something, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. But there's just like other instances in just comedy or just like meeting because that's the thing. You meet so many different people in comedy. There's people from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. age groups, different occupations, and you you have to learn how to deal with all these different people. So that's stuff I'm uh, I think I'm constantly developing. You know. And how old are you? Twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like, what, what, what would you say your take? Like, what does adulthood mean to you? Like, what, what's your? I think it means that you stop depending on other people, and other people start depending on you. That's like this. I think the most clear definition. It's very vague, you know. But I think that's like at the root of it, you know. Is when you're doing things for, um, other people. I mm-hmm. think. You know, and you're no longer depending on your parents or whoever it may be for other things. You can make decisions on your own, and when you when those decisions lead to mistakes or if there are consequences, then you are happy to you know deal with the consequences. Like that's I think that's what it is. That's interesting because I think you being like good with your finances and being organized and all that stuff, I think it allows you to kind of gain a take on adulthood that's a little different from someone like me where like I would think like oh adulthood is like waking up with a clean room every day or like, <laughs> showing yeah. up on time to work every day for a week um I didn't mean that necessarily financially you know I think financially people are in different situations and that's that's fine like if you're borrowing money from your parents that's totally fine but I I guess what I mean is more like 
you know, like emotionally too. It's, there's a lot of people who depend on other people, you know, and that's that's fine. That's just the way that I define it. You know what I mean? Like it all. I mean, kind of like a, a good example is like I remember in college, like we were like what twenty one, twenty two, whatever, and like my roommate would always ask his mom what classes he should take, mm-hmm. and I just thought that was so weird. It's like why, like why do you? Why do you have to run everything by... Like, he was, he was Jewish, not being racist. Yeah. He would just, like, run everything by his mom. And I was just... It was very confusing to me, you know? It's like, why don't you just do it on your own? Or, like, why don't you... Why why can't you make this decision on your own kind of thing? And I think there was a little bit of fear. Like, I don't want to be blamed for this bad decision. If I if I go to my mom for advice and she... It turns out bad. Mm-hmm. I can kind of point the finger at her. He never worded it like that, but that's got to be the, the reason behind why somebody would depend on somebody somebody you know so much you know what i mean so i'm not saying that that's immature or anything like that but i think part of owning everything that every decision you make in life part mm-hmm. of owning that is uh being an adult yeah to me you know i'm thinking now like i don't think i'm i think i have a hard time being an adult in in like maybe making decisions or in committing actions or whatnot but i think I'm pretty good at being an adult after the fact. Like, I think I'm pretty good at being an adult, dealing with consequences mm-hmm. or owning up to my mistakes or, like, sure. you know, like, after the fact. A lot of that stuff comes with age, I think, you know, just because yeah. you're a couple years older than me. Like, I feel like there's just certain things that I'm not able to do right now just because I don't have the life experience that you have. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, because there's so many... Yeah, I just... I realize with the situations now, something happens, it's always like, all right, what's the quickest way to just make this okay, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, even like at work, I work at a restaurant, and I was telling a coworker the other day how he's training. I'm like, you will get crazy motherfuckers whose one goal is to, like, make you break. Yeah. Um, And I was like, I've been doing it long enough where I can spot crazy, like, right away. And as soon as I realize that that's what's going to happen, like, I shut off everything that's, like, personal. Yep, yep. And it's like, you're not engaging that side of me. Mm-hmm. Just, like, what do you need? Tell me what you need. I'm not going to, like, pout or moan. Like, how could you do this to me? Yeah. I'm just going to get you what you need because I know that that's going to cause me the less friction. Sure. Than, like, arguing he, he wants with you. you to react, right? Yeah, than arguing or reacting. Yeah. or. And I just think, like, in a sense, like, that's kind of more adulty than how I would have been in the past. Sure, yeah. Because you probably learned that yeah, yeah. by engaging them, nothing good. Cause I, do you work at Republic, by the way? I yeah. Feel, in, by Union Square? Yeah. The Asian noodle place? Mm-hmm. I go there sometimes. You do? I've never seen you there. I don't go there that often, but like it's it's by Union Square. So Yeah, everybody goes through there. Everybody. Do you see comedians and stuff? Yeah, I see everybody. It's frustrating because there's a lot of people in New York City that I don't want to see. <laughs> they like always consistently. you pick one of the most popular restaurants yeah. in Union Square to work for yeah no I like it and actually it's funny because most of the people that come to the shows are like co-workers oh really yeah so oh, like it's set me up with There's like a, a really community. yeah oh my god I've met so many amazing people there I'm like my best friends yeah are all I, I worked at a restaurant too in college and like I would say some of my closer friends are from that restaurant because I went to NYU and like I didn't really get along with a lot of people who went to school with me so what did you study I studied music business. Music yes, business. An industry that was dying. I studied it. Why? Um, I mean, I so I played music for a long time, mm-hmm. but I knew I couldn't be professional. So I was like, I still want to like, I thought maybe I'd work on a, I'd want to work in like A and R or like something in publishing or something. So I went to school for it, but 
you know, I don't really, I don't, I don't work in it. Music is like fashion, you know, it's a very glamorous thing. Yeah. It sounds, it looks cool from the outside, but when you work in it, like I interned for a bunch of bigger companies and just not what I wanted to do. Shitty pay, long hours. Well, it's yeah. like comedy when people see, like they watch Schumer at the Apollo. Yeah. They don't see that bar show at Bunga's Den. Exactly. Like, <laughs> for four people who are like one person. Homeless. Yeah. yeah. Hey, sorry to stop. Can I pee real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to fill it up. Stop this. I know we have a jam. Alright, so you were talking about um music. And you said that you knew you weren't, you weren't going to make it as a professional. Why did? How did you know that? So I had a weird experience with music because, like, uh, I like my mom was a piano teacher and stuff, so it's, I've always been around it. Um, and I started pretty young. Like I, I, trumpet was my first instrument, and I played that when I was like eleven, maybe ten or eleven is when I first started. And then like in middle school, I, I picked up the guitar, and then like I also played drums, um, played a little bit of piano. Like kind of played everything in high school, and like that was sort of like I feel like in high school, like everybody has their like identity you know like mm-hmm. maybe you were like a poet or an artist or whatever like everybody clings on to this identity because yeah. that's what makes you cool or whatever right so music was my thing i was in a band and stuff but i don't know there was always like a logical side of me that was like why well, can't make a living doing any of these like i for trumpet like even i was like even if i got into like juilliard or something like there's i can't make a living from being a trumpet player you know what i mean like there's only so many spots available in the or harmonic and any orchestra in, in the country you know so that was kind of weird. Like, I loved it, but at the same time, I never even considered the option of trying to, like, make it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so that's what's kind of weird about comedy, but because I'm just kind of going all out with it yeah. without having any previous training, you know? But um, so, yeah, that was sort of my logic with it. And I was like, oh, if I can't do it professionally, like, I want to work for, like, Spotify or I want to work for, like, Apple Music or something, like mm-hmm. Sony, whatever. So I interned for those companies in college and, uh, you know, found out they were like, just that the work is not very rewarding and it's kind mm-hmm. of boring and, and you, you can really see why even at that age you can really see why it's like dying as a business you know so I was like whatever and then um, I just graduated school luckily I went to like it is a weird major but luckily I went to like a bigger university where like the name is yeah. kind of holds so I just I got a job in uh, advertising that's what I do now I oh. have I've had the same job since I graduated so I do like brand strategy stuff now but it's a real job yeah. so that's, a, that's, that's sort of been my career journey so far it's pretty cool. Yeah, I always get envious because, like I said, I didn't go to school and I just waited tables. So I, now that I'm but, older, I see all these kids with like real jobs. I'm like, damn it, I know I could probably do that. Yeah, but it's like, do you want it? You want that? You know, I don't even know what the hell I want. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, about an hour lens where you have the breakdown on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, let's just go there then. So, like, if you can. Tell me, tell me, tell me about like a period in your life where you felt really overwhelmed. This is some job interview shit right here, Chris. <laughs> but I was really overwhelmed. Um, I mean, I guess like, I mean, I'm still pretty young. I don't like. I guess like the most common one for somebody my age would be like, I guess when you're graduating and you're you, you can see your parents about to cut you off financially, and you don't have a job lined up or something. You know, that's probably. I remember like. But I don't know, man. I've always been about. I'm, I'm, I've never been like career ambitious, which is like so un Asian or whatever. But like my plan was like I was interviewing for a couple jobs, and like the one I have now was one of them. But they only hired me as an intern, but it paid fifteen an hour. So I was like, that's that's fine. I could like 
you know, live like far in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and pay rent yeah. 15 an hour or whatever. But my backup plan was to work at the Apple store. I had gotten a job at the Apple store as like a helper and uh, or a concierge as they call it. And so that was like, that was my plan. But I think at, at that time, like I felt really overwhelmed because uh, like you said, like a lot of my friends from college were like business majors and stuff and they're, they were getting these jobs and they, they paid like 90K right out of college, like a 21 year old, you mm-hmm. know? So I was like, if this feels weird, you know? So that was like, I guess that was like, a pretty overwhelming time in my life. But I don't know. It all kind of it kind of works out. I would have worked at a restaurant or something if I couldn't find a job. You know, it all kind of. I think when you as you get older, you just realize that like, if you're like a responsible person, you'll like make shit work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you would say that that's probably like one of the lessons you, or experiences you gained from that time. Yeah, I mean, like, luckily, like, I think the um, this is not me, like tooting my own horn or whatever but I think that one of the results or side effects of being like a pretty organized person is that like you kind of see a lot of things ahead that's about to hit you even mm-hmm. if it's bad mm-hmm. so like it's never as overwhelming as it never really catches me by surprise because I knew it was going to happen so like I had been prepared for it or something you yeah. know what I mean um, and so but the the bad like the it's like double edged sword because the bad side of that is like if something does catch me off guard I fucking freak the uh, fuck out <laughs> yeah I get angry I don't know what to do you know um, and like I feel like I've been in a couple of situations and my friends are like you what the fuck like, you, you need to settle down man like this is not like you kind of thing you know it's interesting yeah I'm trying to figure out like what ruffles you because you seem so, like, calm, collected. <laughs> I'm a very angry person on the inside. Are you? Yeah, I feel, I feel like, not, like, um, in social settings or whatever, but, like, if you piss me off, like, I'll go off on you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, um, I feel like, you know, do you know Peter Ravello? Mm-hmm. We, we spent a lot of time, he's a, he's a comedian, we spent a lot of time together, uh, and uh, we run, like, a weekly show together at the pair, and um, he's seen me a couple times, like, get kind of upset about things, and he's like, whoa, I didn't know that there was this whole side to you kind of thing. That's cool. Um, what, 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 tell me some of the things that, like, don't make, other than that, like, that make not such a flattering picture about you. Like, what are, what are some of the things about yourself that you... I don't like? Yeah. I feel like, um, I don't know, I feel like I don't, um, like, it's very easy for me to let go of people. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, I value friendship very much. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I've even said that that was more important to me than family. Mm-hmm. But it's very, very easy for me to accept that you have moved on or I can not I can no longer have you in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, either caused by something I did or something they did or just a combination of both. Like, just you just grew apart together or whatever. Yeah. But um, it's like I don't really... With, like, with people-to-people stuff, I'm just, like, not as emotional as I should be, I feel like, a lot of times. Um which is has its pros and cons, I guess, but it's a little it's a little strange, even to myself. Still, you know what I mean. Like it's very easy for me to dismiss somebody. Yeah, do you, do you feel like you're always that way, or have you gotten that way? Yeah, I mean, I'm not even like, I don't know, I'm not even like I'm, I don't like my parents and I are fine, but like I'm not really close with my parents at all. So they were they, they weren't like really affectionate. And... No, I mean they're like. Obviously, they're like they're pretty normal parents, you know. Like they came to support. Me like lots school. of hugs, hugs and. No, 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 no. But that's an Asian thing. We don't. They've yeah. never kissed me. That's gross. But um, yeah, I mean, they're like nice people. They, you know, they obviously pay for college and stuff like that. That was cool of them. You know, 
everything's cool every time we hang out but like i don't like i email them maybe like five maybe five six months you know what i mean like wow. we don't really talk that often you know that's crazy and it's not a malicious thing like we don't have anything against each other but like i, I rarely talk to my parents or like my sister and like that my sister a little bit more um sometimes she'll like my facebook status or something like that but like i don't really i'm not like some people are like oh my parents are my best friends or like you know, my, my brother's in town, we're gonna go out. My sister's in town, we're gonna go out to a bar. Like, I've never hung out with my sister in, like, a social setting, you know what I mean? That's really, that's kind of, that's weird to me. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think for... I mean, it makes sense to me, too, to I don't explain know. it. But it's, but, like, but it's not, like, we don't have a bad relationship. That's, yeah. like, what I need people to understand. It's, like, we don't have a fight or anything like that. Just, like, you know, we're just, like, four people who kind of live together and things are fine, but... Yeah. I don't know. I feel like... It's families it's like so the whole concept of like a family is so unnatural to me you know it is like, I yeah there's nobody else hanging out in that demographic mix do you know what I mean like you yeah. never see two 45 year olds and like two 16 year olds hanging out you know so yeah. that to me says it's not a very natural thing no I used to kind of like hate it and I used to like talk openly about how like I don't understand why people say that this bond is so important it's like you just happen to be related like yeah. why are you supposed to be like, so close you have to be grateful if they put you through college or they fed you if they put a roof on you know what I mean like there is a a basic level of respect that you give them just cause you're a fucking human and mm-hmm. they did that for you and they should do that to their parents aka your grandparents you know but after that it's like I don't gotta be like best friends with you or anything like that you know what I mean like, yeah yeah my family is weird now that I don't live by them I consider myself a lot closer to them Cause I think we we grew up poor, and so for like me, my mom, and my sister, I think life was just so hard for us for in our in our own ways for so many reasons. She was a single mother, I was like a closeted homo, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find my way through you know suburban high schooling, and my sister was really kind of I think without direction. And she old. younger than you, or yeah. Older? Oh, okay, okay. And uh, like she couldn't really look to me because I was off doing my own thing. Yeah. And I think just um. The hardship of life on us, while we all like shared a small space together, really allowed us to kind of go at each other, like to take it all out on sure. each other. Yeah. So our relations are really kind of volatile then, especially me and my sister. Oh my god. But now that you know we've all kind of grown up a little bit and life has become more manageable for all of us. Now looking back, I'm like, oh man, that we were, we went through that struggle together. Really kind of puts a value on that relationship mm-hmm. you know like i look at my mom now and i'm like you know she never was able to give me much but she gave me like a vision of the world in the sense that if you just like keep you know facing each day and doing whatever you need to do that day like you have like little blessings along the way you have people in your life that you care about you know she just really in a sense, just by be, me being able to witness what she did, you know, just bestowed upon me, uh, like a, I don't know, like a version of the world that I clearly mm-hmm. inhabit, and you know, in the way I work. But yeah, for long, for like other relatives, I'm like, I don't really have anything in common with you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really I, I think it's like an you. okay slash natural thing to feel, you know? Yeah. But I guess, yeah, I mean, those are some of the things that are kind of a little bit weird about me, I guess. Um... Have you been arrested? Um, no. I got, like, a ticket once for drinking in a park. That's so funny. Yeah. That's about it. I've never gotten a speeding, speeding ticket. 
I'm a, I'm a good I'm a good boy. You are. <laughs> Flawless. Let's just hope that that doesn't mean you're gonna like rebel later in life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you gotta get that shit out of the way when it doesn't matter. <laughs> um. So. What is like one? Tell me about like a really cool moment in comedy for you, like one that you were like, "Fuck yeah." Um, I've got a couple. Fortunately, um, I think last year when I lined up for that diversity thing, NBC stand up diversity thing, and uh, it was like an open call audition, mm-hmm. and you're basically auditioning to get the audition. Uh, you do one minute of material, um, and from my date, they selected like 14 people, I think, and I was one of them. So that was like a fuck yeah moment. Where it's like, and there was a lot of competitive people in my group, you know, uh-huh. were, like there were other comedians who were like, oh, they're like better than me, but some of them didn't get it, so. That was a, I had a good set and I, and I moved on to the next round so that was really cool um, so that was last year um, yeah I mean this year like I got passed at the strip for late night that was a good cool yeah, moment yeah congratulations thank you man um, I, yeah that and then uh, you know I, I was I got booked on the Claude Schumer show that was like a really cool moment for me because I, I was doing a show with like Beth Stelling I think was the headliner mm-hmm. for that she yeah. has a half hour yeah, yeah. last year you know she's great great comedian um yeah, like, just little things like that kind of keep you kind of positive-minded, I yeah. think, you know? And I've also, like, I think it's because I'm Asian, but I've, sometimes people hit me up, um, like, random producers will hit me up and be like, hey, can you come audition for this, like, MTV show or something like that? Uh-huh. Like, so I've gotten to do a couple of those things, and I, I'm not an actor, so I suck at those things, uh-huh. but it's still cool to just go yeah, and yeah. do it. Like, and it's so, it's so interesting, because I'm so used to bombing that, like, when I'm not doing well at, like, an acting audition, it, it means nothing to me, because it's like, I don't even care about the show, you know? Yeah. So, but that's it's, that's been like a really cool. I've done it like four times, I think, and it's uh, one time I got a call back, and that was like a cool, cool experience, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just like I, you know the, these little things that you get through comedy just opened up a lot of doors. Yeah, I be, I've been to neighborhoods that I would never go to if I wasn't doing comedy. You know what I mean? Um, that's how I feel about Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. It's a great way to check out real estate. In the yeah. City. Um. You still you get nervous when you go up? Uh, not really anymore. Um, sometimes if there's like comedians in the crowd that I'm like I want to impress, mm-hmm. what that's a, a kind of, that's a different kind of nervous that you really shouldn't be feeling. What is a what is like a a pep talk that you give yourself sound like when you're nervous? <laughs> oh, I have like a little thing I wrote um, that I read before I do shows. If it's like a if it looks like a tough show. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's not really like a pep talk, but they're just like rules that I break sometimes that I don't want to break. A tough show, as in like if people are bombing. Okay. Like good comics are bombing, or just like in general, where'd it go? Can I read it? Yeah. Do you care? Yeah, yeah. No, I want you to. If you want. Okay, to. these are my rules of comedy. There's seven things. Chill the fuck out. Slow down slash talk slower. Sometimes it takes time to get them. Which is a thing, you know? Let them come to you. They came to see you even if they didn't want to. Uh, it's always on you and stop saying fuck. Those are, this is, these are the seven things I read before I go on stage. Maybe the order. Oh, they're not be like different. in order. Because <laughs> the last thing you say is like, it's always on you. Don't say fuck. Yeah. Uh, it's not really in that order, but I think sometimes you get scared, you know? But I get really scared. But I think it's like sometimes like they're a tighter audience and it takes a little bit of time to loosen them up and that, and that's okay. Like you have this like weird 
mentality that like you have to be crushing from the second you walk on stage but like i don't know because i got like a couple openers that i can usually if they don't go well it doesn't go well yeah but see, you can't think like that man like if, if they like chuckle at those that's a good sign that's a good sign that they're like into it but maybe the previous act sucked and they're like kind of doubting the show yeah. so it's like if it's a hot show of course you know but a hot show is like a layup you know like yeah that's the thing like if you got on like if you got on the knitting factory tomorrow or like why it's next night train you could kill both of which are like right sometimes i see comedians like turn on the audience members and like have you ever had like a meltdown on stage at a show like you get mad at the audience members i had like a couple and it's really embarrassing not to the other comedians they think it's funny but like that's why i wrote that like it's always on you thing yeah like they came to see you even if they didn't want to it's like really rude for you to do that you know for you to be like, oh, you guys, you guys are shitty audience. Like for you to say that is, I don't know, very, very rude. To, yeah. I think you know. It, yeah, you're right. Because even if it's a shitty show, they sat down for you. So if you bomb, then you bomb. Whatever you know, like you can't, you can't blame them. Yeah, I, I mean, I did kind of recently do a show where they were. It was just a lot of distractions at the bar, and by the time I went up, you know, we were all looking at the backs of the head of the audience, and nobody was laughing. So then when I finally went up and I could see them, right away I could tell, like, oh my god, these people are checked out. Yeah. Like, no wonder they're not laughing. They're not even listening. Yeah. And so I went through, like, my first few minutes of getting, like, light laughs. And then finally I was like, I have to. And so I started talking to them and I'd ask them a question and they wouldn't answer. So, and I, after a few times of that, I'm like, hello, like, please give me a sign. Tell me <laughs> someone's awake. Like, I'm talking to you. Yeah. Like, you can answer me. And that kind of, like, shook a couple of people out of it. Yeah. And then the rest of the set went, like, somewhat better. But yeah. it made me realize that they were just so gone for so long that I had to do something to, like, yeah, bring course, them back yeah. to, like, where they're listening first. So that was kind of a moment where I think if someone had walked in at that moment where I was, like, kind of, hello. Yeah. I think that would have looked like kind of like a meltdown. But yeah, yeah. I was just trying to wake them up. That's not part of the game, though, man. Yeah, I mean, I should have probably done that sooner. Like, you know, when I saw that look on their face, I should have started with something that would get them mm-hmm. to pay attention more. Let's we learn. Right? So, tell me something about, like, your major, like, hardships in comedy. Like, moments when you really were... Um, I mean, I do have, like, a handful of bombs that I'll never forget. <laughs> Everybody has those, you know what I mean? Like... Like, like I'm talking like silence bombs. You know what I mean? Like for the whole set. People have bad sets, whatever. You know, but like I'm talking about like eight minute, eight to ten minutes of just pure silence. You know. And it was just you. Yeah. Like it's just me. people it's not, did it's not well. The room, it's just you. Oh, like, you. Like whatever you did was bad. You know. So I have those moments. Um, but I think like the moments where it was like, oh no, for me it was. Uh, Aside from just being on stage, because everybody has those bombs, yeah, you know, yeah. it happens, whatever, you get better. But for me, it's like, because um, I, I have a girlfriend, so so trying to work out, um, you know, time with her that I can spend uh, to keep that going. You know, like, I feel like most of our, our arguments or fights, like, we don't ever yell at each other, but most of the time she gets upset, it's because, like, I'm just being selfish and I'm just completely ignoring her mm-hmm. or something, you know, just so I can do one more spot somewhere, you yeah. know. Um, so there's been a couple moments where it's like, I feel like she keeps me grounded, you know, mm-hmm. comedy is a very selfish thing. 
you know yeah. it's always about me when you ask for a spot it's about me it's like hey can I get some of the thing that you have that you made for yourself can I have yeah. that it's very selfish you know so I can people, go on stage pe- and talk about myself pe- people yeah. do it it's 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 a but you know and some people are like oh you gotta do it whatever um, but I think that when you get in this mentality you just like forget that there are other things in your life like your friends that you probably don't talk to anymore because you're doing comedy and you justify it by being like well it's just my life now yeah. you know which is one way to think about it but it's like hey, like, what, how does that make them feel? You know what I mean? How does it make your girlfriend feel when you're just like, oh, we're dating, but I'm going to see you once a week for three hours. You know what I mean? Like, so there's been a couple moments where, like, she has made me realize that I'm being very selfish and stuff, and I think that's good, you know? Um, those are the moments I'm like, oh, fuck, like, I just kind of got in this, like, weird comedy high where I wasn't thinking about anybody else or anything else, you know? Yeah. Um, I, th- to me, those moments have been more like, oh, fuck, than the bombs. The bombs will never go away, you know? You yeah. Know, once in a while, you're going to have, like, a shit set. Whatever. And it's funny in retrospect. But those mm-hmm. moments, like, in retrospect, they're not funny. I'm glad they happened, you know? Mm. So I think it's, like, probably those two things. That's cool. Yeah, I, I've had that situation with friends. I'm like, you just have to understand. But then I also feel like, because I do my show and a lot of them come to the show. And, I'm, and I always tell them, I'm like, I'm so grateful that you guys come. Even though I don't get to spend time with you, like, in between the shows... Like, I feel like this is, like, I'm a comedian now, and your time with me is, this is what I am. Like, so, it's yeah. comedy. Lots of times, even when I hang out with them, it's like, can we go to the show? Yeah. <laughs> to watch yeah, yeah. the show? So, it's just, like, I think all my friends that know me now know me as a comedian, and that's, like, all I'm about, basically. Yeah. And, um, but I always see that, because I've had a friend that got really successful, and I realized that when success happens to somebody, it also happens in a sense to like the people around them mm-hmm. to like witness and to kind of like be around that is very kind of cool and exciting. And so I kind of think that with my relationships, I kind of like let them know I'm like, Hey, listen, like I'm not just doing this for me. Like I'm doing this for us. Like I have no yeah. intentions of bailing on you when, you know, shit starts to go well. Mm-hmm. So if you give me the space to kind of like follow my dream, you know, you'll, it'll be special for you too, in a sense. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Like you can, cause I remember going to my friend's, um, comedy central half hour taping and like what, I mean, it wasn't even about me, but I had so much pride and excitement in yeah. that moment for my friend. Like it was such a cool thing to be a part of that yeah. and to know that that can happen to real people. And so I just think like, it would be nice to kind of, be able to share that with like my family, especially mm-hmm. my family out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you know I love that they like brag that my mom brags that she has a son living in New York. You know, <laughs> like so to give her one more thing to brag about, even though it's not that yeah. special. Yeah, I mean it's hard to say because it's like I feel like sometimes this shit's not really up to you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. all you can do is just like get better, make friends, get on shows, and then like hopefully somebody picks you, somebody who with some kind of power picks you to be something. It's so you know, weird, right? A lot of it's just like, you hear that on these, like, I mean, even the, the NBC audition stuff, like, what I keep hearing is that they have, you know, having a good set's one thing, but they're, like, looking for people. They're looking for certain people that might trend in the future on TV. Certain yeah. personalities, certain brands, you know? Yeah, certain looks. It's like, you can't fake a brand, so it's like, all you can do is just keep doing your you and, like, just hope that you get picked. And yeah. But if you don't get picked, then that's, that's that. You know? And also, it's like, there's like a lot of small pickings that I think happen every day in comedy. You notice that? Mm-hmm. Like, um, there's certain, there's like people that I pick every, you know, of course every month to like be on the show. Mm-hmm. 
and it's just like in in general i always try to like focus on like those little things too like oh that person like i can tell that person likes me and you can never tell where those relationships will lead like in the future Mm -hmm. you know like when someone gets a big writing job and they're like yo can you come write for my show yeah so i think that's kind of a cool aspect because a lot of times they people do yeah of course that's why success is like I mean, honestly, like, if you're a good friend, get something, that could be a win for you because mm. she or she could be like, hey, I know this guy, Chris, I want him on my team. Yeah. Boom, you're already something, yeah. you know? So so many angles to, like, play the game. Yeah. But, you know, it's always, like, just getting better for your own stand-up. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird, it's a weird industry. There's no, there's no path. There's no right path. Everybody has a different path, which is inspiring and frustrating at the same time yeah that and i think that's why yeah that's part of what i think why i freaked out because you were mentioned you have to like sell yourself you have to go after these things and i'm very cautious with kind of like how i put myself out there because i'm i get, I get fearful i think and with the access audition like ashley recommended me she's like i think you're ready i'm like oh, whatever I'll, I'll try i'll do it and like i find myself in these situations where things like keep getting better and better and then i'm just like wait a minute i'm not I think it just kind of catches me off guard. Mm-hmm. I just need to kind of like, because when I think of stuff starts happening, it's gonna be like that constantly, right? You're just like people call this and this and this and that. Yeah. I just need to kind of. I'm just terrified of success. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so used to struggle my whole life. When things start to go well, I'm like, I don't understand how this works. Like, yeah, what man, are you? I feel like the ups and downs never end, man. I was talking to some comedians who were like ten years in, and even they were just like, "Do you like?" I'm featuring for the people I started with. Like, how does that make me feel? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, so, and to them, it's, like, way heavier because they're 10 years in. Like, they spent, like, a third of their life on this, you know? And be, like, for them to be, like, yo, two of my best friends who I started with who are just as funny as me, if not, I'm funnier. They have these TV credits that I don't, you know? Or, like, uh, I've talked to like people who are like you know how many times I was like this close to getting something that would change my life but I didn't get it you know like I feel like somebody said this to me recently they were just like they're like people don't people try to stay away from the entertainment industry or Hollywood in business in general it's not because it's like hard, it's like a hard thing I don't think it's any harder than any other job out there I just think that there's just so much rejection involved and it never mm-hmm. ends and so like unless you are a selected few you know so people can't handle that, and I think that's why people tell you to not do show business. It's yeah. just a big of the of the just the ridiculous amount of rejection that you will experience yeah. in your entire life. Well, comedy, luckily, you know, just bombing weeds out a lot of people. Yeah, pretty but quickly. I think it still hurts. It hurts every time. I think. Yeah. Not not the bombs, but like you know, five years in now, you get like oh like hey, you want to you know audition for this Apatow film? You excited about it? You get it? You don't get it? Somebody else you know gets it? That hurts. Yeah. But it's good to feel that way, man. Make it keeps you on your toes. Yeah. Um, all right, so I need to find a way to wrap this up nicely. See, it's just kind of random all over the place kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so, in regards to, like, comedy in your life, I guess, like, maybe on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your, like, happiness level like right now? I mean, I'm always a pretty happy person, you know? I guess things could be going better, but, like, I don't know, I just, I just can't... Uh, I can't think about what I don't have. If I ha- if I think about what I don't have, I just get sad, you know. I guess I'm at like a 7.5. Pretty good. Doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a C. Yeah. And um 
Just like what's like the next thing that you want? Like what's your your next goal? Um, the goal that you're working towards? I'd like to get some sort of like TV credit. Um, just because I think that would just open up more doors for me in terms of stand up. Uh-huh. You know, but um, yeah, just like I mean, I mean, my first my first priority always every day is just like my working on my act. You know, so it's like what can I keep for my hour? What can, you know, I'm not really working on an hour right now, but it's like. For, if I did a half hour, if I did twenty minutes, like what jokes would I do? What jokes would I cut out? Like, I'm always working on my next bit. You know, yeah. That's probably the most exciting to me, for me every day. It's just like the next bit that you're working on that you think you think has legs. You know. What's the bit that you're working on now? Like a premise. Um, what am I working on right now? Oh, you know what? I did that stand-up showdown show. You know what I'm talking about? It's like where you where they send you a topic that day and you have to write a joke about it within like, ten hours and you perform that night. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's kind of cool. You can submit for it, but they have it every three months or so. But I got some stuff from there. I don't know. I'm running. I'm running a bit about playing truth or dare uh, in your late twenties, early thirties, and how it's not uh, like people have lived lives now. You know, so it's just not as exciting uh, anymore. Like the like like the questions you get are uh-huh. different. You know, like I played recently with my friends, and like one was asking the other person about their divorce you know it's like, what, like, when, was it, like when did you know that it was gonna end like, like so that was the truth you know somebody dared one person to go around and say one thing they hated about that person wow yeah and people liked it you know because it's like they're like 33 now so like sadness is more fun you know yeah. so it's like, so like, that I'm would be to, fun to i'm do. trying to play around with that aspect a little bit it's just like it's like people are like can i just kiss somebody like no yeah, no. yeah i was like it's i was like, about your savings accounts mm. you know like, whenever we're hanging out around with groups and i was like i want to play spin the bottle with everybody <laughs> i never wanted to play that when i was a kid because like so scary but. yeah but i guess the joke is that like kissing is not even fun anymore it's like because yeah. we already know what's going on it's just like they're more interested in like these deeper things that that's more entertaining to a 27 year old than like somebody made out with somebody you know i'm gonna play that game next time i have some people over I've, like, I never got to play it that much as a kid, so I would still play it. You oh, know? I'm traumatized from that game as a kid. Oh, because you had to kiss a girl? No. Oh, you don't know my joke about it? No. Oh, it's my opener. How's that um, going? Yeah, I guess I don't really care if I say it here. So I always open up where you know, I'm like, I ask the audience how they're doing. I say I'm doing fine, which is a relief when you consider my childhood. Because it was a weird one. Like in high school, the kids always tried to get me to play the game Truth or Dare quickly realized it shouldn't have been called truth or dare it should have just been called hey Cress, are you gay yes you <laughs> oh, no, I, I remember that one remember yeah that one. yeah it's something open a joke and it almost always works and i think it's such a great way to just announce like me as a comic yeah yeah so that's something you're working on now um fuck there's one thing i think i wanted to ask to close it out oh what's your favorite joke that you have it's your My baby favorite joke uh, I think my favorite joke right now is the joke I have about philosopher time. Have you heard that one? Mm-mm. It's like, um, my favorite jokes are the ones where like when I'm writing, I'm laughing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Those are rare to come by, but those are like probably the ones you get the biggest laughs. You know, when you're writing it. I yeah, it, not me. I'm when I like laugh and I'm writing it, they bomb. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> those are hard to come by. I, I actually wrote this when I was in Europe when I was um, like for work or whatever. But anyways, basically the bit is uh, like I'm comparing. Like, I'm talking about how polite Japanese people are, mm-hmm. and you can really tell by looking at, comparing their language between English and Japanese, how they describe different things. So, like, in Japanese, we have a word for, like, 
you know, like, girls don't know what I'm talking about when I say this. This is the part I need to change a little bit. But, you know, after, like, you orgasm mm -hmm. as a guy, after you, not, like, masturbating, but when you have sex with somebody, you, like, you experience, like, a five to ten minute period where you're just, like, you're not horny at all. Mm -hmm. And you can think of really clearly about things. Yeah. And that's when people leave, right? right. If it's, like, a one-night stand, I gotta get yeah. out of here because she wasn't the one or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know? So that moment, right? In English, that's called comer's remorse, Okay. Just like a little aggressive, right? But in Japanese, it's called Kenja time, which literally means philosopher time. Philosopher time. And I, just, I, was, I my joke is just about how, like, polite, like, that's, like, the politest yeah. way to describe <laughs> that moment. You know what I mean? Because, like, in English, it's, it's like, a very bro-y thing, you yeah. know? That's interesting. That is a weird period of time. Yeah. That's, like, the only time you can get anything done, though, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But when I say that part, a lot of girls are like, what are you talking about? And, like, guys that I see in the crowd are too afraid to laugh because they're with their girlfriends, you know? So I got to, like, fix it up and, like, make it more relatable, that part. But That's fun. Yeah, and it really is about 10 minutes, and then starts building yeah, up again. Yeah, but, oh, yeah. God, it sucks being a man. But me. just just the, the dichotomy and the way it's it's viewed in Western culture and Eastern culture, you know what I mean? Like, Which is so funny, because then when we look at, like, the pornography of both cultures, Japanese porn gets code Ray to the Cray. Yeah. It gets real weird real quick. Yeah. That's fun. So, all right, well, I think we're out of time, because I have to go to work, but uh, it was a pleasure having you come yeah, out here. Yeah, thank you for having me, Chris. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and of course, there's always the possibility of a return. So yes. maybe we'll have you back. Awesome. All right, well, thanks for stopping by. Talk to you soon. Bye. And there you have it. That was the interview with Fumi Abi. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, it's good to be back, guys. Definitely going to stick with this. I enjoy doing it. As always, please like the Lost City Comedy Facebook page on Facebook. And uh, come out to a show. We'd love to have you. All right, take care, guys. Bye-bye.